Good evening to our neighbors and listeners. We are coming to you live from the 215 here in Germantown. You're listening to the award-winning Germantown Info Hub Radio Hour. I'm the community reporter, Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom John. Maleka is not with us on this episode, but will be back with us when we come back in December. The Info Hub Hour explores all things happening in Germantown and the city of Philadelphia and covers them in an hour or less. You can check out what's going on by visiting our website at germantowninfohub.org, on Twitter and Instagram at gtowninfohub, or on Facebook at germantowninfohub. And we have a full episode with two segments planned for today, so let me quickly give a rundown. First, I will be in conversation with curator Nicole Pollard and artist Graylin Hughes Jr. of Philadelphia Contemporary's new art exhibition, Supine Horizons. Supine Horizons is an experience that allows guests to rest for up to an hour to challenge notions of grind culture, which is the normalization of just constantly working. The two will speak to the making of this art exhibition and notions around rest. And after that, I will be in conversation with neighborhood authors and sisters, Kay Sinclair and Dominique White, who in only two months produced the new book, Fantasizing on Strange and Peculiar Situations, here in Germantown, which is entitled, The Strange Accounts of Germantown and Other Peculiar Phenomena. Now let's get into our show. First up is Nicole Pollard and Graylin Hughes, Jr. All right, Germantown, I am on air right now with Nicole Pollard and Graylin Hughes, Jr., who are respectively the curator and artist of the Supine Horizons Art Exhibition at the Kinesics Dance Dynamic Theater at 5427 Germantown Avenue. So Graylin and Nicole, how about you both just start off by giving some background on yourselves and of course your relationship to the Supine Horizons Art Exhibition. And then I guess additionally, it would be appropriate to just provide a summary, of course, of what the Supine Horizons Art Exhibition is. So Graylin Hughes, um, I am a multimedia artist uh, and educator from Philly, based in Philly, around Philly, I guess. <laughs> um, I, uh, my background or my creative practice is in uh, experimental sound and video, uh, mainly through the use of modular synthesizers and, and uh, different types of software, a background in filmmaking and fabrication and uh, design, all of those things sort of combined <laughs> in some ways to, 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 to do what I do now. And uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm the artist for Supine Horizons. Uh, and I'm Nicole Pollard. I am the curator of lived culture at Philadelphia Contemporary, the organization presenting Supine Horizons. Lived culture is, is a new kind of subset of our curatorial program that I'm beginning to explore. And Supine Horizons is actually the first project in that program. And that's just really looking at, you know, all of the many different art forms and forms of creativity, et cetera, that are you know, very much present in our world and our society that aren't typically recognized in galleries and museum spaces. Um, in this case, you know, what Graylin works with, the modular synthesizer, you know, is something that we we have seen in these spaces to a certain extent, but is also, you know, something when you mention to someone, they're not really usually familiar with what you're talking about. So the goal with Supine Horizons in terms of, you know, not so much the content, but in terms of the the artistic medium, was to really kind of shed more light on this this form of artistic practice and hopefully allow more people to you know kind of know what it's about. But Supine Horizons itself is a 
literally an immersive installation um, where, you know, Grayland's uh, use of the modular synthesizer has created this ambient soundscape that he's linked with uh, kind of corresponding slow moving visuals and visitors are literally invited to come in and rest in this space. We've fitted it with, or outfitted it, excuse me, with comfortable furniture, such as uh, sofas or couches and anti-gravity or flotation therapy um, sensations that are created by beanbag chairs. And there's also soft carpets. So people are really invited to come into the space and spend anywhere from one minute to an hour um, literally resting and making themselves comfortable. Appreciate that, y'all. And so to start this conversation, what what prompted this, right? So how did both of you come together for this project? Yeah, where's the beginning? And then how'd you get to where you are? Um, I can start and then yeah. kind of allow Graylin to kind of talk about how it all came together. Um, but in, in thinking about what the first program for the lived culture curatorial program would be, um, I guess back in summer of 2021, I was really kind of inspired by um, just a kind of a lot of what was really coming to the surface as a result of the pandemic and lockdowns and, um, you know, the racial uprisings during that time. I think people were becoming really aware of how much we were we were doing too much and and how, you know, many systems, you know, in our world, such as healthcare and, um, you know, the service industry, et cetera, were really kind of at odds with our well-being and particularly weren't in service to people of color and Black people in particular. And also just like, you know, how quickly we were moving um, in order to kind of contribute to this large and messy system that is capitalism and how, you know, it really is ingrained in our bodies that we need to keep moving. We need to keep grinding or hustling in order to achieve this like you know, unimaginable thing. Um, and that, you know, although it was forced for some people and also, although some people actually weren't even necessarily able to take the pause during that time, I think the lockdown really forced us to kind of reconsider to a certain extent, kind of why we were doing things in that way. Um, and I think that also created an opportunity for a lot of the discourse around rest that had been going on for several years to really kind of come to the forefront and really be this kind of guiding message for folks that were really recognizing like kind of how fed up they were with how things were before. Um, you know, and this is folks like Trissa Hersey and the Nat Ministry, Octavia Rahim, you know, particularly Black women that were really leading this conversation. And so I thought about, you know, the importance of this and how, you know, bringing a space for people to basically rest, you know, in Philadelphia and really be able to meditate on the importance of rest, not only as a self-care practice, but also as like a community healing practice could be, you know, really profound. Um, I decided that, you know, that would kind of be best or be the best way to showcase or kind of start out this program. Uh, and so when immediately kind of thinking about that idea and how, you know, how we might go about creating this immersive space, I immediately thought of Braylon and his work and how, you know, his sound, which is already, you know, very much ambient and his work with projection mapping, you know, is, has been like so visually interesting in terms of what I've seen him do in the past that I thought he would be the perfect fit, you know, um, in terms of the artist to create this, this experience. So Nicole reached out to me. Um, I still remember the email, possible commission collaboration. <laughs> it was very exciting. Um, 
uh, yeah, I think the project, you know, right from the right from the beginning, um, spoke to me personally uh, because I, 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 there were in my life, I, I've always there, there was definitely a huge importance about rest and um, slowing down, and and uh, the elements of this project were just so interesting, and 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 uh, I, I think I, I, in our first conversation together, I, I already, you know, sort of had some visuals in my head and and could imagine somewhat imagine. Uh, what this space could look and feel like yeah i mean it, it was it i think what was intriguing also is that this this interesting combination of using technology um in ways that normally you know when we say interactive you know you, you normally think about like okay i'm gonna go into the space and i'm gonna use motion or, or move my body and react to the things that are happening around me and 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 it, it, this was an interesting concept of, around interactive in that you know, we're asking people to actually not do anything, right? Not, not you know, uh, engage. I mean, we want them to engage physically, but not in the way that we normally think about in an interactive installation that has this much technology uh, running inside of it. So I, I, I thought it was a really, really a, a amazing idea that really connected with me, but also really, um, it was a really interesting challenge because um, in some ways, you know, we really have to, I had to pull back uh, on, on, you know, how to, how to simplify, how to pull back and not, um, you know, make it overstimulating and um, overreactive, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it, it really, my goal was to create, using the technology, using soft surfaces, was just to create, you know, a, a, a space that felt warm and inviting for, for visitors. That's a great point, actually, to land on, too. I mentioned that before we started that I visited the space and of course I got my rest on. So yeah. Okay. Um, and that the ambient soundscapes and visuals are like two of the most essential ele elements of the experience. So speaking for myself, those two things really did provide this added sense of kind of like comfort and clarity. Like some, I, I myself am a person who uses like brown noise and white noise, even when I'm working, um, I have like ADHD. And so like, I need something to keep me calm, keep me like focused. And like that kind of provided that for me a little bit. And so these sounds and like these visuals are also original as we, as you already been speaking about. So just talk, can you talk a little bit more about the use of modular synthesizers? Cause again, that is, as you had said earlier, Nicole, two things, I mean, something that people probably aren't really familiar with. So I got into using modular synthesizers, I guess, about five or six years ago. Um, and modular synthesizers have been around for, for a long time, really, since this probably late 60s or 70s, uh, just much larger in a much larger format. Uh, and the idea is, you know, if you, if you think about a, a traditional synthesizer, just a keyboard, right, that makes unique sounds, like non-traditional sounds, right? So it's not a piano, it's not um, other traditional string sounds, but it you know, creates these sort of um, organic or artificial sounds that can be manipulated. A modular synthesizer, if you, if you imagine taking all the insides out of the synthesizer and giving the user the ability to uh, route the sound in the way that they want, as opposed to being limited to, okay, everything is built a certain way. Um, and so what a modular synthesizer is made up of are, are a whole bunch of these little separate modules that do, that, that may have all sorts of particular uh, specific tasks. So some create sound, some are used to compose or sequence a sound, some are effects and special filters or mixers. 
So essentially these small modules all you can you can kind of design your own uh, synthesizer by by picking from all of these different modules. And there are a lot of companies out there that 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 sell the modules. Um, and so every synthesizer really, even if you have the same module, they tend to still sound different. You know, if you have two of the same modules and two different synthesizers and do the same thing, there's a chance that they won't even sound the same. They may be a little different um, depending on what they are. And so it, it's a very freeing way to work. Um, I'm not a formally trained musician. I can play some things by ear. I'm actually taking piano lessons now. Um, just for, for the music theory aspect of it. But working with a modular synthesizer really allows you to create any possibility of sounds by simply patching things. So the way that these little separate modules are uh, communicate with each other or these little cables that you just connect. So if I wanted to take a sound from one module to the next, I just use a little cable that routes that signal and then I can move that signal then to a different module that does a different thing. Um, what's really intriguing to me and 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 fun with me about the for me for for working with the modular is is that it allows for a, a great deal of experimentation. Number one, there's something interesting to me about creating a piece and then unplugging everything and that piece never existing again. Um, so a lot of a lot of the pieces that I've created, you know, I, and maybe I'll record them and sometimes I don't. Because in addition to being just a, an instrument, you know, it, it, it really allows me to use my hands and, and really focus on creating these pieces. And, and again, sometimes I'll record them, sometimes I won't. Um, and, and then the other thing is that it allows you to create very generative music. And so a lot of the, the, the audio that you hear in this space uh, it was created this way. And, and by generative, it's, it's you're, you're sort of setting some parameters throughout the modular but then you're kind of letting it go off on its own and it could go into all sorts of different directions and i can set up some parameters and let it run you know and come back five minutes later and it's almost turned into a completely different piece on its own um, and again there's something really interesting about that workflow of you know i i'm it's still a composition it's still like a musician would write music notes, you know, and 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 create all the scales and set everything up to play on a piano. You're you're sort of doing the same thing, but just in a non-traditional way, right? You're setting up those parameters. Um, you you know, there and and you're you're allowing this piece to to almost create itself in some cases. When I hear it, I think back to I was reading, of course, and then Nicole started with it. But that term of ever changing, it kind of puts me in the mind of that, and may that's intentional. I'm guessing. Yes. Cool. So I want to also ask, so Supine Horizons, um, I know the definition behind Supine. So I wonder why that name was chosen. I can speak to that. Take, a lot, of, take a lot of pride in the title. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very interesting. Like I loved, like soon as I saw it, I was like kind of very, very, because again, it can have a negative connotation, but then also it can have a positive connotation. So I was like, oh, like, this is interesting. Let me know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely think it can be interpreted, you know, a couple different ways. But yeah, of course, you know, the word supine means, you know, laying on one's back. Um, so we definitely wanted people to be, you know, laying down in this experience, whether or not they're completely on their back, they might be on their side, you know, that's one thing. Um, but then Horizons, you know, I really, I, I was interested in the fact that Horizons was also, you know, speaking to the horizontal and like the laying down in some way. But also, of course, you know, possibility when we think about looking to the horizon or looking, you know, out in front of us, it, it really speaks to um, 
I think this kind of sense of renewal that we're hoping that folks might experience, you know, after coming out of the installation um, or out of, you know, giving themselves that time to, to slow down and rest and, um, you know, be rejuvenated in some way. Um, so, yeah, I think I can't even totally remember exactly how it came to me. Um, I am very much, um, you know, inspired by different terminology that's used in a yoga practice. So that's where the supine really came out and felt important to use. But then, I don't know, I think Horizons just kind of came up and clicked and we went from there. <laughs> I love that. And there are three parts. So I read, the, of course, the resource guide, there are like three parts to this, which is the rest the resistance and the renewal. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about those three parts? Sure, yeah. So when folks come to the experience, they can take away this, this little resource booklet, um, as you're referring to, where we really are hoping to, you know, provide a deeper dive into just like, you know, the idea of rest. Um, so I think, you know, the beginning, the, the rest part is really just kind of talking about literally like what rest is um, and why it's important. And you know how it can really allow our bodies to basically like regulate themselves, like in terms of our nervous system, and of course, you know, in in response to external, um, you know, things in our world, whether that be stress or trauma, you know, our body really needs to have moments of of regulation in order to kind of keep ourselves in this in this place that we, you know, we can basically show up as our best selves. We can, you know do things with all of our energy, all of our focus, attention, things like that. And not necessarily, you know, just in a productive sense, but literally just mm -hmm. to, to, you know, simply take care of ourselves. And then the resistance section is really thinking about how, you know, rest in particular can, can be a form of resistance and particularly um, in resistance to systems, you know, really large and, you know, as they call them like wicked systems, such as capitalism, that, you know, as I spoke about previously, in so many ways, it's really ingrained in just how we think about ourselves, how we think about our success or, or you know, productivity. Um, it's so linked in this idea of what capitalism has created in terms of like everything kind of be, being focused on profit and production, you know, kind of this fabricated sense of urgency, um, you know, it's, it's, it's held in our, in our bodies in a lot of ways. And it's, it's kind of ingrained in how we think about ourselves and, and to really begin to kind of deprogram that, that kind of initial way of thinking about our, our value or our self-worth, we really have to, you know, start to give ourselves more time um, to literally slow down, to rest. Um, I'm very much a believer of the fact that taking time for rest actually truly allows for for creativity. Um, because when we don't give ourselves that time, we're really just, we're kind of always just kind of running on E and we're kind of just getting things done for the sake of getting them done. Um, but something that's also important to recognize is, you know, capitalism is almost like this umbrella that kind of holds and allows like all of these many systems of oppression to be able to, you know, exist. So like, you know, we're talking about racism and sexism and ableism, you know, et cetera, the list goes on. Um, you know, capitalism literally thrives on these things. So in order to truly resist against these systems that we feel or hopefully feel do not work for us or are not in service to all of us, we have to, you know, we have to think differently and we have to move differently. And then finally, renewal. You know, we really hope that this resource book can also give people a look into, you know, or, or kind of ownership in creating their own rest practice. 
Um, you know, we recognize that for a lot of people, experiencing rest in the way that we are showcasing it kind of, you know, within this installation as it being something that, you know, requires stillness, requires laying down, closing your eyes, perhaps, you know, that that oftentimes doesn't really feel safe for everyone. Um, and that's something that we want to make sure that we acknowledge is, you know, if it's not a practice that someone has, it's really kind of takes a lot of time, you know, for some folks to really be able to break down those walls, those barriers, to feel as though that's something that can be truly restorative uh, for them. So, you know, we encourage folks to think about other ways that they might be able to find rest in their lives. And maybe it's in a more active way, such as reading a book or taking a walk. Um, and then really finally talking about how, you know, those personal practices can also extend to, you know, somehow a community practice of rest. Um, and that's something that's really valuable to us in terms of this experience. And that, you know, you are resting, of course, by yourself, but also in the company of maybe friends or even, you know, strangers in this space. Um, and that's, that's something that's really special. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, re I really, really, really appreciated also the reading list that was offered. Um, I know I read about five out of six, maybe, I think there were six books that I, um, had saw on there. Um, yeah. and I also really love the point and the distinction, of course, that you made within that guide about where what rest what people think rest is a lot of times and like always relating that to like sleep and deep sleep at that mm -hmm. rather than what it actually can be and those different activities kind of some of the things that you just named mm -hmm. um because even when I talk to people about those things they're like oh well you know rest like everybody can't have rest and I'm like yeah you can have rest a lot of different ways like you're just seeing kind of one way um mm -hmm. but that also is what the space allows people to think about too so that's also the beauty of it too mm -hmm. right um yeah, it takes practice like anything else. Yeah. Right? You, you have to you have to work at it to to figure out what works best for you. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Um, and I also read online that there is a significance of having this experience in Germantown, kind of relating to that historical legacy of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so Nicole, maybe you can speak more about that. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're definitely so, so proud to have the KDD Theater as a partner in presenting this project and to be able to have the project be cited in this space. Um, I think, you know, that portion of Germantown Avenue, but also Germantown in particular, is really, I think, hopefully, really experiencing a kind of um, renaissance. I think I've heard Kristen, you know, the owner of KDD, refer to it as in terms of, like, bringing the the arts or establishing an arts corridor um, on Germantown Avenue and really kind of bringing some of the energy that has always been there, um, you know, kind of back into the forefront. You know, of course, you know, Germantown has such a, a intense and immense history in terms of its connection to abolition um, and, you know, really being this, this kind of beacon um, or safe space for Black folks, you know, throughout history. Um, and so I think that really that really felt important when we were thinking about where to cite this project. Um, and I think, you know, that also has a connection to Graylin as well. And um, I can let you speak to that Graylin in terms of how that kind of is meaningful to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh, I, I grew up, you know, minutes, <laughs> you know, from, um, from the space. And so it meant a lot to me to, 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 to have this space to showcase this in the, you know, in the neighborhood where I grew up, where I spent a lot of my time right there, uh, especially that part of the Avenue, um, and around Sheldon Ave and everything. And so, um, my, 
you know, my, my grandparents uh, moved um, not too far from the area, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the, I, I believe it was the early sixties uh, and lived there. And they, they were one of the first black, actually they were the second black family on their block. Um, and it was a really, uh, you know, at the time it was a really unique neighborhood. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just, to, just to have it back there, just, just it was, was really, it was really meaningful for me to, to also, I don't know, I, I feel like in some ways is kind of giving, giving something back to the neighborhood where I grew up in just felt, it, it felt right. I know we had looked at a lot of, um, you know, several locations around and um, this one just felt right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, this one just felt right. Of course, of course. Where'd you grow up at? Uh, so I, I grew up over on Cherokee, just off of Johnson. And, ah, uh, I know. Yeah, Washington you... Lane there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you was uh, right around. I, I grew up on Duval. Oh, nice. Great. Yep. <laughs> well, that's okay. awesome. And, yeah. and then my grandparents over uh, just off of Rittenhouse over by uh, Pickett, uh, or I guess it's uh, a, a, a charter school now, the Master. Yeah, charter. Master. We know it as Pickett. Yeah, but it's Pickett. <laughs> I went to Pickett, you know. <laughs> I went to Lingobach, like that, those, yeah, yeah. Ah, you went to Lingobach too, I went to Lingobach as well. There you oh, go, a lot of similarities. <laughs> um, so getting away from some of these technical parts of the project, I wanna know what your favorite parts of creating this unique experience were. And either one of you can like pick that up. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, I, I think uh, for me, Boy, I, I think it was working with the sound. Uh, I think that was my favorite part. Um, the, the the process that I used, uh, used several different processes for compo composition, mostly with the modular. Uh, one of them was using a small device. Uh, it's called a plant wave, <laughs> and uh, it uh, allows you to. Uh, it, th this device reads biorhythms from from plants, and it converts them to. Um, music notes or midi notes uh, and then you can take those notes and continue to work with them and manipulate them and so as part of this generative process i, I was looking for different ways of generating pieces kind of um in this kind of controlled random way uh and and so for for one or two of the pieces um actually yeah for a couple of actually for a few more pieces actually i'm, I'm working on now as well uh, I use this plant wave. And so it's literally just, just you clip these little um, connectors right onto a plant leaf. And, uh, and it's just a little box that that does the uh, analyzes that plant data converts it to music notes. And then I can kind of continue to work with those notes. I, I think that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun uh, to do. Um, and then yeah, I, I think it also just sort of thinking about all of the the soft, the soft spaces and, and the the sort of the surfaces, thinking about all the surfaces in the space too. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I th thinking about, um, the, you know, this, just what it, what everything will feel like, right? Not just all what you're seeing and what you're hearing, but what, what's every what's it going to feel like? I think it was really important. Um, and kind of coming, we, I kind of landed on the, the the couch idea sort of towards the end. Um, and I think for me that was that that felt like the finishing touch on the space. Um, coming up with, you know, or deciding to put the couch in the space and then projecting onto the couch uh, was, was, yeah, was, uh, it, it sort of came together because for me, couches, you know, there's something obviously comfortable, physically comfortable about a couch, but a couch uh, always represents the sort of centerpiece of the house is where the family meets. It's where you spend 
um, a, a lot of just just a lot of great memories uh, of resting and napping and thinking and dreaming. And so um, I think I was really excited. You know, it's like, oh, there should be a couch in this space. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I'm, and I'm going to project on the couch. You know, that 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 uh, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, uh, yeah. For me, it's kind of hard to decide what my favorite moment would be. I think you know, with this project. Um, you know, I, I definitely was kind of wearing, I guess, a few different hats or, you know, they're thinking about like a lot of different elements of it in terms of, um, you know, everything from kind of just making sure that Raylan had everything that he needed to create, but also, um, you know, thinking about getting the, the you know, the furniture and the, um, you know, the physical space together to also working with our awesome graphic designer, uh, Jeremy Rose Wimbrough. Um, it's really, it's hard for me to to totally <laughs> decide, but I think, okay, I think I'll highlight definitely the the kind of graphic design process has to be one of them because I feel like that really helps make something feel, um, I guess, totally real in terms of like how it's going to be like seen and received by, you know, the larger public by giving this project its own identity really, you know, I remember that really being a moment where I got super excited <laughs> Um, and, you know, thinking about all of the, you know, environmental signage that we put up, you know, this is something that, you know, because the project is sited in the storefront, we as as best as we could really wanted to kind of channel like the messaging or like the kind of the the, the ways that retail spaces typically utilize design to catch people's attention. And so, you know, we weren't really necessarily completely going for like the very minimal, you know, art installation kind of signage that you typically would see, you know, maybe by a gallery or museum or from a gallery or museum, but really kind of trying to to marry the two and really think about how we could have some kind of more in your face signage as well. Um, and then I would say the second moment had to be, you know, when we were rolling out the cushy rugs in the space and Graylin <laughs> and I just like rolled around a little bit and we're like, oh yeah, this is comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think I think those are the two highlights for sure. <laughs> oh, I would add one more in there too. I, I would say test uh, uh, those moon pods. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that was also uh, that was also fun. Um, so comfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> are. <laughs> okay, so I guess my last question would be then. Um, there is, of course, some events and activities that are planned for the space throughout its run. Some of those um, starting this week have started this week. Um, and so where are some of those that people can look forward to as well as the exhibit? Yeah, I'm really, I'm so excited actually to bring, you know, additional energy to the space with these offerings. Um, so folks can look forward to actually our first acupuncture offering um, this Thursday, um, November 10th from 4 to 8 p.m. So that's just, you know, if you sign up for a slot during the normal hours on Thursday, which are four to eight, you can also elect to get some free acupuncture services during that time. Um, we'll also have recurring restorative yoga classes every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Um, and our first program, which is kind of, I think, really kicking things off in a, in a super exciting way, is actually going to be a live performance with Graylin um, and one of his collaborators, Chaka Benson. So there, you know, if you kind of are interested in getting to know more about modular synthesizers and seeing them, you know, being used live in a space, definitely be sure to come through. Um, and then we can also look forward to a rest shop 
rather than a workshop um, with author Octavia uh, Rahim. Uh, I think that's on December 9th. And then a guided meditation and poetry reading with our current poet laureate, Ara D. Matthews, on December 16th. Um, so we've got a lot of exciting things happening. Oh, sorry, one last thing. There is a, a youth workshop for teens um, with the Sound Museum Collective on December 7th, um, where the students will kind of be able to um, start thinking about sound, what that means, you know, in connection to rest and um, also create their own soundscape. Amazing things. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say amazing things happening. I, of course, saw those and I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize until I, of course, start going through the website that there were more events to come with it. And they all look amazing. I saw the acupuncture thing and I was like, ooh, I might have to make some space in my yes. schedule. And it's all free. <laughs> it's all it's free. free. Yes. Yeah. And that's the beauty behind that, too, because, woo. And I lied. So I did say the last thing was the last question, but I just thought about this and I want to know. When I say the word rest, what does that mean to you? Mm. Uh, dreaming. I think I think freedom. Mm. And there you go. So Nicole and Graylin, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you about the Supine Horizons experience and just overall notions around rest um, and resetting. And I could have asked so many more questions and did have so many more questions, but I only had a small window to really work with. But nonetheless, of course, I do appreciate your candor and your willingness to just speak with us about this great happening in our neighborhood. So I wish you both the best and I both be well and keep spreading joy and notions of rest amongst the masses. Thank you. Thanks Thank so you much. So much. Yeah, Thank thanks you. For having us. Okay, so with me now are the authors of the new book, Strange Accounts in Germantown and Other Peculiar Phenomena, Kay Sinclair and Dominique White. So Kay and Dominique, it's great to have you on the show. Um, and how Thank about you. you both just briefly introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell us about your peculiar project? Well, my name's Dominique. Um, I am the older sister um, by six years, I think. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I this is our first collaborative effort. I don't have any other writing projects that are going on. That's kind of like my sister's forte. She kind of does that. Um, but uh, it's something that I have always aspired uh, to do. Um, I am a nurse. I'm a registered nurse. Uh, so that's what I'm what I you know, that's my job. So um, that that kind of gets more of my time. Um, and I do want to start dabbling more into writing. It's something that I used to do. And, you know, as you get older, uh, other things kind of take the forefront. So uh, this was like a really cool project that uh, we kind of always wanted to do and um, got inspired by Germantown, you know, where, you know, where we live. Um, and we um, kind of like like we're not horror fans. That's not what we are. But we do like the unsettling, the creepy. creepy. Yeah. You know creepy what I stuff. mean? Um, yeah. so we were kind of like, you know, let's do some wholesome stories. Uh, we were kind of inspired by like, you know, our walks. We take a lot of walks with my son. Um, and just like looking at the old homes and we just mm -hmm. got inspired to write something and we wrote it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, very quickly. Like yes. I think two months. <laughs> two, two and a half months. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was it was really she was on me. She was on me <laughs> a lot. 
because um, I'm like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Or like, I didn't have time or I was like really tired because I'm also pregnant. Um, so I was, you know, I would a lot going on, a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we we turned them out. We got yeah. the, the stories out and we're really uh, proud of the um, the results. Yeah, we yeah, we worked so hard. So we had the idea in August, like in mid-August, and we knew that we wanted to self-publish by at least Halloween. Um, another thing that kind of pushed us to work a little bit harder is that like we kind of have a presence on TikTok. And um, I made like a video asking if people were interested in like seeing something like this. And we got, you know, some love from it. So we were like, you know, we, we really got to push this out. Um, I, oh, sorry. Yeah. So my name is Kay, uh, Kay Sinclair. My real name is Kanan, um, but I go by Kay Sinclair because it's just like easier. <laughs> um, but I also, like my sister said, I have other writing projects that I've been working on. And um, this was something that I've been, the Strange Accounts of Germantown is something I've been like really zeroed in and focused on for like the last two and a half, three months. So we were really excited about it. Like she said, we love creepy stuff. I think some of the things that influenced us were like the Haunting of Hill House, mm -hmm. um, Coraline. Um, what's another one? Like over, oh, the, garden over wall. the garden wall. Yeah, yeah. it's a show from uh, <laughs> Cartoon Network. It's like a mini series. So we love like kind of wholesome, but also like creepy stuff too. And we never really wrote something like this, but um, we actually yeah. started doing writing prompts when I used to, um, when I was in college and I traveled abroad to Rome. And so it, to keep in touch, me and my sister were sending each other writing prompts. And that's kind of what started us like writing like together, kind of. And um, yeah, from there, we kind of birthed this little baby. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And it's interesting that y'all were talking about like how like y'all aren't really big horror people. And I could kind of like read it a little bit. Cause so again, so let me start also by saying that again, finished the book last night and I loved it, right? Easy read, mm -hmm. took me too nice to get through. Feels very Philly, feels very Germantown, and also sometimes humorous as it is like thrilling, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. what would you, or what would y'all say the genre or genres of the book exist under? Hmm. I would say like uh, paranormal. Um, Cause like, there's a lot of that, like supernatural, because like we kind of deal with werewolves and um, like magic. Um, we talk about witches and witchcraft um, for one of the stories. Um, so I would say something like that, like urban, uh, paranormal, if that makes sense. I don't know. If that yeah. Makes that makes sense. Different. Two worlds colliding. It made sense to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you already talked a little bit about the creativity and the journey. So what was that process like? well um well for one I mean we kind of are just by nature in our spirit we kind of like uh get inspired by a lot of things so like for forever um as long as I can can um think back we kind of will see an idea and be like oh this would be cool if like oh this would be a good uh you know story prompt and sometimes we don't even make good on it but it's <laughs> like we're always like our minds are kind of always there yeah so uh just I guess there was just this extra push of like lately mm -hmm. um, in the last couple of years just from a lot of things that have happened within our family um, there's this extra little bit of a push 
to not just stay in the thinking phase, but like, okay, well, let's do it. Like, like, let's actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, we see inspiration all the time. Um, But actually one of the stories, the weird family, um, my sister actually thought of that prompt because when we were taking a walk, we saw a strange, not like strange family, but like this family walked by and they were all like the same height and they smelled like soap. So that's actually what uh, inspired the third, uh, stories that my sister was like wow like what if we made a story or like a prompt from that and we're like oh my god we were like getting excited so we had a lot of prompts that we started out with and we yeah. just settled on the eight um a lot of them weren't uh you know some winners but yeah, we had to get rid of a few <laughs> and then we we kind of started out like too big mm-hmm. um because with the time frame that we had yeah so we did have to like scale back a little bit like she was telling me 15 pages per short story and I'm like eh, I don't know if we we're going to be able to 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 get to that um just because like it was really hard to get a story big enough but like small enough that it could be completely like wrapped up at the end um so there was some like reining in that we had to kind of like do but there's there's literally just inspiration everywhere yeah that's it makes sense too some of those like cliffhangers were my favorites too um like definitely which one was that? The the pie. I love the one with the pie. Um, Corinne, oh, Corinne and yeah. Travis. I love yeah. that one where she's like, "Oh, I would have loved. I, I would have loved that. Like to be taken on a date." And then I'm like, "Wait, why would she have loved it?" Then I realized I went remember back to her making mm-hmm. the pie to make them forget. And I was like, "Oh Lord, girl, now we." <laughs> 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 oh, 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 I was like, "Girl, we need that date, girl." Yeah. Um, so I also had read that in the beginning, like, you know, before you actually start the story, that your mom had partial responsibility for the love that y'all share for writing. Yes. So like, if you're comfortable with sharing, maybe speak about how that was kind of instilled in y'all. Yeah. Um. So I probably remember a little bit more than she does, um, just, just because of my age. But uh, my mom, she was a writer herself. Um, so like my mom is an... Um, um, army veteran. Um, we are one of, we are two of five children. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, just like my mom's very, like, she's, I wouldn't say that she's like an artsy person, um, but always very like kind of on us with like English pronunciation and like, um, she was grammar. Um, she, uh, was a great, like, you know, she was a very fast typer. Mm -hmm. Um, she, she she was an event planner. So like, she was always, uh, like a black voice in a white space so she always like instilled in us like you know Mm -hmm. present your best like this is the way you talk and you know things like that right um we grew up with tons of books Mm -hmm. um like we we were always just we loved reading just like and I would say that myself and my sister mainly and then like you know I know that my I have another sister um she's older than me uh, she she does uh, read also yeah um, but we were kind of like the we're kind of like those the writers the writers yeah. um, we kind of we just get that from my mom mm-hmm. um, she she wrote a book herself a very thick book never published it mm-hmm. never finished it um, but like I just grew up reading like I would read parts of Stephen King and like mm-hmm. I would see my mom always had a book in her hand right. um, so you know it just kind of I guess was like natural I know not every kid picks that up but um, we did. That makes sense. That's a lot of connection. My I, I was raised by my grandmother. So it's interesting. My grandmother was just, I'm also partially dyslexic, but she was like 
she had more severe dyslexia. And so being as though I always mm -hmm. had to do all the reading and writing for her, it picked up naturally for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I completely relate to the idea of like having to be in white spaces and understanding the importance of, you know, having to present and, you know, be better. Like, you know, right. we learn, we learn growing up, you got to be 10 times better than right. other people, right? So right. I get it. It completely makes sense to me. Right. Um, and so connection to Germantown. So did y'all grow up in Germantown? Do y'all just live there now? Or like, <laughs> what, like, you know, yeah. I, a lot of mention, like, and I mean, a lot of it is really very spot on streets that I grew up in, like used to run. I grew up on Duval Street, closer to the rib crib. Um, mm -hmm. But of course, random streets, places like Pastorius, Baton. My mom actually mm -hmm. grew up on Baton Street. Um, and of course, mm -hmm. Germantown Avenue mentioned, along with the staples like the high school. So how mm -hmm. did y'all choose Germantown as a setting for most of these accounts that you came up with? Well, it was actually my sister's idea. Um, we had the idea to write something together, but we weren't exactly sure what. Um, but we grew to love Germantown because we've been here for like the past, what, two years, three years? Mm -hmm. um, that we, a little bit longer. Yeah, she a little bit longer. Um, we, we just love the history of Germantown. Like we saw that there's the, what did you say, the slaves? There's the, uh, like, you know, on um, what? Washington yeah. and Germantown Ave. Yeah, and it was like part of the Underground Railroad. The Johnson like, House, was, yep. Mm -hmm. yes. yes, yes. And like, we live not that far from the Wick House. So like, there was just like a lot of staples that we would see, especially like with the um, the high school. Like we passed by there a lot. And we're like, wow, like there's like so many like settings that would be perfect for like spooky and creepy and things like that. I mean, Philadelphia in and of itself in its own right is an old city. Right. Um. So like, you know, if not, if it wasn't going to be Germantown, it was probably going to be Philadelphia. But because there was so much to draw from in Germantown, um, it was like very easy. And it would be like something really small, like the cobblestone street. Like yeah. it was the like one of the, the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the trolley tracks like yes, uh, inspired like a lot of the stories. Um, so it was just it was just really easy. Um, we're not from here. Uh uh, I was born in Texas. She was born in Reading because, you know, my parents were military. Mm -hmm. um, and we moved to Philadelphia like five years ago or so, my husband and I. Um, and we just kind of like made a home here. We we bought a house mm -hmm. back in 2020, took advantage of those great interest rates. <laughs> um, and uh, we we settled here um, and we just we just really love it. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. I mean, you would never be able to tell that it was like somebody who's like, a transplant essentially to Germantown, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, right. just like that very small part you said, that trolley, like when you said the cobblestones and the horses, I was like, Lord, they gonna figure out <laughs> something from these, this random man is coming from like 1866 to come collect us, child, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it made, it made a lot of sense. And like, again, just drawing from like those small details of Germantown right. was very yeah. masterful. Um, and so oh, that's why I was like, hmm, I wonder if they like, like you know spent any time here when they were young but yeah mm -hmm. so thanks for that um and then one of the specific things that i actually did want to ask about is there a specific cafe or coffee shop that inspired the red sun cafe because that's mentioned in multiple stories right um i didn't want to put like a specific cafe just in case like you know legal reasons you know um, so I, in my mind always thought of uncle Bobby's cafe on um, Germantown Ave, but I never really wanted to put the actual name just in case. So like, I just named it Red Sun just 
because it's like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like initially, like they were standalone stories. Yeah. And we just wanted to put little like nuggets in between, like just to kind of a, like connect that this is together. all in the same, you know, area. Like right. they're all, you know, almost kind of like walking past each other in yeah. some cases yeah. uh, and, and unknowingly just to add the extra element. Right. That makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. I was like, I wonder what cafe this is about. And I mean, Uncle Bobby's, of course, is a neighborhood staple. So you know, right, right, right. <laughs> and also, I, I want to know what your favorite story is. That like from each of you, what your favorite story in the actual book is. So like, mine's is like I said already. I had told you earlier that it was. I had told you an email, Kay, that it was mm-hmm. um, Esme. But mm-hmm. I actually came to really love. Corinne's and Travis's because I'm very much a I'm not into like horror and spook stuff but like anything with a witch can really get me like put in right Right. and also specifically in that story it's I think it's the grandmother living in South Philly that Mm -hmm. really made a lot of that it made sense for me because a lot of people don't realize so even before Germantown was a Germantown used wasn't always a part of Philadelphia but before mm-hmm. that, a lot of Black people migrated to South Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So these days, a lot of times you see a lot of people's grandparents and stuff still living in South Philadelphia. But over mm-hmm. the years, of course, people have migrated to Germantown. And right. so I had felt that connection as if like this was just like a Philly family. And that's just like the dynamic on top mm-hmm. of, of course, me like imagining like a little Angela Bassett running around, you know, <laughs> past incantations and stuff. <laughs> so like, what's your favorite story? I really enjoyed the bonus uh, story at the end that kind of wrapped all of it together. Um, I felt like that was like the cherry on top. It was like a inspired um, thought, like, because at first we were just going to do the eight and um, we wanted to do something that kind of tied all the stories together, but we weren't exactly sure what. And um, I'm really happy at the way that it, it came out. Um, so that one, and I don't know why, I just really like Weird Family for some reason. It just, it feels homey and like creepy and I don't know, I just kind of like it. I like that. Uh, I would say, thank you. Yes, the crazy <laughs> aunt. The crazy yeah. aunt, yes. Um, I would say that mine is also Kern and Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, in it, like immediately, as soon as we were like thinking about doing this, I said, I want to do something about Black witches. Like mm-hmm. automatically, I was inspired by Coven, American Horror Story. Um, I was very inspired by that. Um, and not with like taking it directly from it. Like I didn't want to, cause I, I almost was like, okay, witches. And then I thought about like, uh, voodoo and I was like, I want to get that historically right. And I don't got time for that. Mm-hmm. Like with the time constraint. Right. So that's why I kind of drew back from doing that. Um, I would love to write something longer on that. Um, that was one of the stories I actually struggled on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wrote that one. I, I struggled with it because the story was kept getting too big. Mm-hmm. I had so many like ideas, like I wanted to talk about the grandmother more um, and that history more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to like keep reeling myself back in um, mm-hmm. just because I just really, I wanted to write something about that so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say that's like one of my favorites. It also put me in that mindset of like, your grandmom and them always know. They always know stuff before y'all know it. And like, right, it was right. very like subtle, like blackness. Like, again, I was saying yes. it was Philly, but just very black overall too. And I told one of my yeah. friends that, and I like, of course, recommended the book to them. Cause I was like, it's just that yeah. connection. 
Even when um, I think it's Kaya's story where she's like, I was just minding my black business, chef. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, right, yes, okay. Right, exactly. Like I'm so like, like yeah. That <laughs> yeah. And then um I'm losing the name, but it's the one where the guy sells his soul and she's talking, you know, he's like, Oh, you good? yeah, oh yeah, Esme, yeah, you, yeah, you good? Yeah. And like just yeah. little small language stuff like that. It just like really mm -hmm. connected me to it. And again, that was a part of what made it such an easy read, right? Because a lot of times when people write, it's like they're really trying to appeal like all so many different people. So they're like trying to change language up. But for y'all, it pretty much just seemed like it was like, we're taking on this setting. Mm -hmm. and this is what we're going to stick to because this is what people here will understand. Um, right. And it, it felt really good, right. really good. Right. Um, oh, also, Germantown High was another favorite that I liked. To, that uh -huh. I really enjoyed writing. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. That was great. That was really great. Mm -hmm. Especially when I saw they said it was haunted. I was like, child, they literally just put up a video of like somebody going inside the school present day. So all I could think I about was like how it looks in there now. And so I was yeah. like, this is like, this is like full circle for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, did you go to Germantown High? No, I actually didn't go to Germantown High, but I did grow up in Germantown. So I grew up in okay. Germantown. Um, again, grew up on Duval Street. I also lived on Duval Street twice, but then I also grew up, I also lived on Price Street as well. And then as an adult, I lived on Logan Street, which is like further down the other side of Germantown, closer to like um, Nicetown, but still in the Germantown mm -hmm. parameters. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess my last question before I run out of time, you already spoke about the final story. And the final story, of course, has the speaker in the beginning talking about kind of how people misrepresent, you know, natural occurrences with like the supernatural. And for me, that's a very interesting concept. So maybe I can talk a little bit about that subject matter and why that was important in tying together this project, like at the end. A lot of times, like when I'm first starting a story, I don't like we work, we have different writing styles. Um, so she will like lay out from start to finish, like a kind of like an outline. Yeah, I'm not like that. I will just start writing, mm -hmm. right? So like the first thing that came to me was somebody um, who may be like a type A personality, um, who may be like dismissive, um, that this just so happens. So like they they stumble upon this book and it's like life altering for them, despite the ending. Um, it's it really challenges their thoughts. So like when I opened it up, it was kind of like I'm gonna have this person get this book, think it's nothing, um, and kind of like you know, I don't really believe in like the supernatural. I don't think these things happen. Um, and then have something literally show up to his his face, mm -hmm. um, where it's kind of like he can't deny yeah like saying is believing like you know yeah and it's like and with myself I kind of drew on my own kind of feelings a little bit not that I have those exact feelings um but more his sister where it's like listen I don't know what's real I don't know what what happens I don't know about the supernatural but I am not well versed enough to discount anything right. and really honestly nobody is nobody's right. really in a position to say something's real or not real right. um so that's why I was just like you know I give space for other people's opinions other people's beliefs um and who am I to say that that's not real mm -hmm. um and, and kind of so I more resonated with the sister where it's like you know I don't want anything to try to prove to me mm -hmm. um that you know uh that it's real you know because mm -hmm. it could be 
But I think it was like a little bit of an interesting take because of what was happening in that story. Like you're taking a non-believer into a believer. Like, so he can't discount the things that he was seeing in his descent into madness. It kind of makes a more compelling read compared to someone who already believed like, oh, this is actually happening. But for him, it's like, no, I don't think this is happening. This ain't right. But like everything is pointing him towards like the book and it, those things being true. Yeah. Okay, because he tried to give it back like Ryan did, child. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to just go put this thing back and I'm going to be done with right. it. And they was right, like, no, right. girl, you already in this. Yeah, like, right. Exactly. 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 <laughs> he wasn't a believer then, he was a believer then. Okay. Mm -hmm. Trying everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Send him to Dr. Wu, child. Ooh. Right. Uh, um, right, right. <laughs> Well, Kane Dominique, it was such a great experience, of course, Thank speaking you. with you and getting to also just read this book. I, I told you, I told some of my friends that I actually had to make sure that my questions were more constructive than they were fangirlish because I had really enjoyed, I really did. I, Thank and you. One thing about me is I'll take my time on a book and mm -hmm. also with me having mild dyslexia, it's hard to get through books sometimes, but me being able to get through a book in two nights because like the stories were that good. And yeah, thank you that so recipe, much. like y'all said, of like that 15 pages or so, it was like cherry on top because right. it's like that's an appropriate length for a story. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, just keep in contact with us if you have any other projects, of course, related to Germantown or Philly or anything else. Honestly, y'all live in a neighborhood. Anything y'all produce is a product of Germantown at this point, Um, as I would love to explore those as well. And I just, again, want to say thank you once again for coming on air to talk with us about this. And I just hope to connect with y'all again soon. All right. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Thanks really for having us. All righty, y'all. Y'all have a good one, okay? You Thanks. too. You too. Bye-bye. Well, Germantown, it's about that time. If you have story ideas or information that you want to share with the Germantown Info Hub, you can feel free to email gtown.infohub at gmail.com. You can also keep up with us on social media at G-Town Info Hub on Twitter and Instagram and Germantown Info Hub on Facebook. And additionally, you can always read our stories and listen to old episodes of the Info Hub Hour at GermantownInfoHub.org. And this is also a quick reminder that the Info Hub Hour will play some reruns for the next few weeks until December touches down. The Germantown Info Hub will also be closed next week, starting on Thursday, and will return to the office the following Monday on November 28th. And um, that is about it. So thank you to our guests for speaking with us for this episode of the Info Hub Hour. And of course, thank you to our neighbors for always listening and engaging. And until next time, good night and happy holidays, Germantown. <laughs>